podcast's third try. Um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, once we, um, you know, bust these out, my guess is that all of this will be edited out. But um, my name is Paul. Just so, um, yeah, all your material will be edited out. That's right. Right. My name is Paul, the guy whose material will be edited out. <laughs> and uh, who are you? My name is Scott, and uh-huh. yes, we're we're in week three, and uh, you know we're we're trucking right along with yeah, this uh, right. with this little mission of ours to um, I don't know you know just uh, have a dialogue about uh, the issues of the day and things that we feel are that are important that uh, deserve more than you know. 140 characters. Um, Document life and politics over yes. our podcasts and beg people to listen to us. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds good. That well, with that, 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 um, haven't been, that haven't been said, you know, who's who's going to win the uh, tournament? Who, who are you picking in your bracket? Oh, um, I, I guess I'd have to go back to whatever Nate Silver said, I think. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't do a lot of research. I just kind of plugged in stuff this year. So mm-hmm. I'm picking, uh, picking, t- uh, North Carolina. Actually, I'm going to pick whoever Silver says has a 30% chance of winning it because uh, he's, he gave Trump a 30% chance of being president. I figure that, <laughs> that should be the best bet. <laughs> That's solid. I like it. I like All it. Right. All Unfortunately, right. Unfortunately, the best bet he has is like 12 right now, I think. I oh, know. really? Yeah. So that's because there's too many teams. Um, right. You know, I mean, this is why we, we, we have a two-party system, not a 64 party. <laughs> yeah. It would be slightly more complicated. Exactly. So what's going on, Paul? What's uh, what's new, you know, in the, in, in the world? Um, well, <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> um, I guess, um, so we were discussing how it's going to be really hard to you know, do the, uh, do a podcast and, um, do it weekly mm-hmm. and then reflect, um, on what's, what's happening, um, in a timely fashion. Since well, we're talking about things are, yeah. I mean, things are moving rapidly these days, aren't they? Yeah. Things are moving so rapidly. It'll be really hard to do this in a timely fashion. Yeah. So we should just give up. Um, I suppose I just repeated <laughs> what I said earlier in a quicker fashion mm-hmm. so that, um, it would be easily, more easily editable. Right. Um, so you could cut out at least what I said. Well, yeah. Earlier. Well, that, yeah. Well, you're going to cut all of my shit out. Though. Well, I'll, I will, I will leave your stuff in that, you know, leads up to a punchline that I will say so that I look good. And then, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm used to that. That's that's how right. it goes. You know, it's uh, fake news. Right. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, but, yeah. uh, so, well, I mean, obviously, right now, I mean, it's it's healthcare, healthcare, healthcare in terms of the issues mm-hmm. that uh, are the focus. There, are, there are lots of other stuff on the periphery. I mean, there's there's the, uh, so as we broadcast today, it is it is March. Uh, it is March 14th leading into March 15th. Right. And so the, the, there's some stuff potentially tomorrow around the, uh, Russia story. Um, James Comey is supposed to, um, go before the intelligence committee right. and, and reveal whether or not, or, or confirm or deny that there is a active investigation into the okay. Trump campaign ties to one. Russia. Right. Um, um, so that's that's out there. Um, 
but the but the big story continues to be this healthcare bill. And um, yesterday, there was the Congressional Budget Office putting their assessments the CBO, forth. CBO, right, which they, last week we talked about how they didn't want to have it scored before they, well, they voted on it. Well, they didn't want to have it scored before the committees voted. I think they knew that the score would come in before it made it out of the House, and that's how it currently is playing out. Um, and so the score came out, and it was much worse than a lot of people thought. I think a right. lot of the assessments right. were that, 15 million people would lose um, health care over the next few years. Sure. And what it came out was 24. It was, tw- it was 24, 14 million in, within the first year because of the changes. And then over the next. That's I catastrophic. Believe, it is. I mean, that's that's the part that completely undermines the system. You yes. lose 14 million out of the system. You're going to throw the whole. Um, you know, the whole market into haywire. Absolutely. The individual market's going to be dead Yeah, right away. Right. Um, and I'm not sure what kind of, I, I suppose um, they must have figured out some sort of Band-Aid plan or some way of liberalizing, um, you know, uh, the health care plans that can be sold on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, unless, actually, if you haven't, if it, 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 those are probably things you have to do through. Um, you can't do through reconciliation. You have to do filibuster proof. Well, change the insurance regulations. Right. So the idea is, let's let's just get the funding uh, for the individual plans out of the picture, so nobody can buy them, and then that'll create a crisis, and then force them to reoffer the catastrophic plans. Sure. Yeah. That's, we'll just that's what they're we'll, do. we'll just do the slow walk back, and you know pretend that you know the last eight years didn't exist right and, and uh, those 14 million people will in theory be able to buy a really bad yeah, catastrophic plan. right they'll get the they, they can get the hit by a bus plan and uh you know but the dirty little secret those hit by the bus plans is that they didn't cover it they don't actually cover people that get hit by buses mm-hmm. yeah but you know but they, but they look, they they look good on paper because they got the nice, right. the nice little insurance right. card in the yeah. mail, and it says like, hey, you have insurance, but you know, try right. using it. Right. That that's the thing. Those those plans really. I mean, I I used to have one of them. I think was, yeah, I had one too. Like, um, once when I was in college, and I was, I think, it was after um I was no longer a dependent and um no longer able to get um insurance through my parents right so i you know i didn't have a lot of money so so yeah you get that plan that costs you you know a handful of dollars every every six months or whatever it is and uh you know and everything was elective Mm -hmm. including preventative care yep so anytime you want to do and then um you know anytime you want to go to the doctor to uh get screened for anything um or anything that you you should do that's all out of pocket uh right and so there's the massive disincentive to do it because you're not going to get it covered. But then the second thing was um, you realize that uh, the pre-existing you might be setting yourself up for a pre-existing condition. Well, sure. And therefore you didn't want to go through it. And let's let's be frank about this: the, the, their idea of protecting people for pre-existing conditions doesn't sound viable at all. Because no. once you crash the uh, individual market. How in the world are you going to be able to sell um, policies anywhere near what the current rates are? Correct. Yeah. I mean, they're going to take it down to, uh, and they're going to say, well, you can do only a 30% surcharge if you're out of insurance. Except that yeah. 
that's 30% on whatever the market bears at that point. But when the market doesn't have any more uh, healthy people buying into it, mm-hmm. then how, how's that going to work out? Well, it's not. You know, that's the, that's the dirty little secret of this whole thing. So and that's the kind of thing that probably doesn't really show up in a CBO score. No. No, and I mean, so their their response right now is, well, this is a three tier plan or or whatever it is. It's, it's sure. three, it, this is we're going to do the initial phase because we you know we we don't have sixty votes in the Senate, so we're, we gotta we gotta change the nuts and bolts of of Obamacare so that right. we can get right. our stuff in place, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna do phase two and three, and that's you know some of that is around um, HHS, you know, rewriting some rules right. and, then, and then you know we're going to we're going to have a bill that's going to you know where the, where we can do the sale across state lines of of uh of health insurance which policies. doesn't matter at all it no, just sounds great no, right I mean, it's, it's all something symbolic. people have talked about for decades exactly it doesn't well, it's some, hell of some, according to any analysis I've and some states already seen. do it and it doesn't and most from what i understand in, in the areas of the country where Insurance companies have the ability to do that. I think one of them is Maine, um, from what I've read. Okay. Um, there's been very, there's been very little interest in, in, in insurance companies doing that because of the fact that you have to, you know, you have to build networks. You have to, you know, get doctors Mm -hmm. involved. It's, there's a lot of logistics and ultimately because of how, Personal healthcare is, and how, right. and how it's 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 not the same as buying auto insurance or bu- right. buying some of right. these other right. things. You know, it's a de- it's definitely it's its own its own animal, and so I I think it's it it looks really good, you know, as a soundbite. Sure, but effectively, it's it's right. it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. So the policies, um, yeah, they sound horrible. Um, this entire plan sounds awful. Right. Well, when you're talking about 24 million people losing insurance between the exchanges going away and the Medicaid funding basically being tossed back to the states, right? You know, that's. Well, what do you think about your $337 billion in savings? Uh, yeah, they they promise. Oh sure. Well, it's yeah, it's they're really they you know Paul Ryan sounded really optimistic about. Uh, the CBO report initially because he was like, well, it, it look, it, it's, it's my, it exceeded my expectations. Sure. Because he's, he's focused on, on the cost savings, meaning the de- what, what deficit is. Right. And it's like, okay, well, you can, yeah, you can, you can say that we're saving this amount of money, but when you're just taking the cost and shifting it to the states, that's right. not, you're not saving money. You're just, you're just telling, you know, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Nebraska, right. Idaho. You're just saying, okay, now it's on you guys. And what do you think the states are going to do? Sure. I mean, it's they they have to balance their budgets. You know, they, they they're not at, at liberty to you know to to either run deficits or to you know mess right. around with some of this stuff. And they they they're they're much more restricted in terms of the revenue that they can allocate to these kinds of things. So I I think that. Um, the savings are a real illusion uh, because um, it's pretty obvious that people are going to, um, who are uninsured, a lot more people are going to be uninsured. They're going to go into the hospitals when they have emergency care. Yep. Um, and nobody's going to be paying for it. Right. 
Well, and, we're going to be paying for it. Right. People, people that have insurance are going to be right. paying for it. Just like, and that's how it used to be. Right. And that, and that's why it's one of well, I think it's one of multiple reasons why you have organizations like the American Hospital Association, the AMA, and nurses coming out against this thing is because they realize like, and they and they've got skin in the game. I mean, they've invested in the new infrastructure, and they now I think a lot of them appreciate what it's done for patient care and. You know, being more proactive when you talk about wellness exams and, right. and, and not, you know, not having people show up in the emergency room because the kid has the flu and he has, you know, 104 fever. So a, a really good right, um, really good letter to the journal by a guy named Alan Sells from Brookfield mm-hmm. um, covered um, the topic of the uh, savings, you know, and, 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 you know, talked about how it's an illusion. Okay. And anyway, he mentions that... Um, He's an executive um, in medical device manufacturing, um, and he talked about, he referred to these savings, uh, you know, the costs um, of, versus the costs of people that, that um, to all of us, for the, those that don't have health care, um, okay. or insurance, I should say, they go seek health care in emergency situations. And he described the cost of the emergency care as this is a cost imposed on all of us when those of us who are uninsured require medical care and head to the emergency room for treatment. Most of them are unable to pay the bill, which easily can be $2,000 or more per single visit. Someone has to pay, and those uncompensated services to the uninsured are recovered by passing on the costs to and thereby raising the insurance premium rate on those who are insured. This is a main major reason why insurance rates in the 20 years before Obamacare rose at two to three times faster pace than they have during the last uh, four years of Obamacare when right. considering all insured groups. Yep. Enthusiasts for change often cherry-pick groups such as the self-employed who have had unacceptable premium increases but represent only a small portion of the insured population. So do we want a reduction in federal spending offset entirely by increased in insurance premium costs, or do we want to fix the current Obamacare system that minimizes the number of people who are uninsured? The proclamation of, and he says parenthetically, fake savings trumpeted by supporters of change is fake news. <laughs> I agree. Alan Sells. Well said, Brookfield. Alan Sell. uh, Sells. Sells. Sells, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, obviously this is somebody who's not writing from the position of the poor. Right. And he's, I mean, he's just saying, like, you're, you think you've got it made and you think this is a good deal for you. It's not. No, I, I I think he states I think he states the obvious, and it's like you know we've been there before. I mean that's and that's the thing, you know I don't what I don't understand is people that you know idealize the past who should know better, and I, I and I well, think I, I think I think part of it is you know that you know Trump sold him a bill of goods on the campaign trail, he, and it, you know uh, that yeah. was uh, that was a vague bill of goods. It's not like he ever espoused you know any kind of ideological health care plan. It was always, you know, we need to we need to appeal Obamacare because it's terrible and we're going to pass something better. And when he was asked, you know, about specifics, he's, you know, it's going to be something great. We're going to cover everybody. It's going to be cheaper. You're going to take your doctor, blah, blah, blah. Right. All the stuff that people want to hear. But, you know, there are there were never any specifics. So right. now that we're getting into this, this bill, which is effectively a rollback of, 
of, uh, of, of, of the Affordable Care Act and then putting in some modest, you know, tax incentives, but then sure. also, um, you know, eliminating the subsidies and then giving a, a, a it's a, a tax break to, right. to, to the upper income levels. I mean, it's, it's very much an ideological plan right. and, right. and, and, and it just, it, I don't, I don't think that there's much of a constituency for it. I think the only reason it has the votes that it does is because the stakes are so high because they've been promising this thing for how many right. years and now they have to deliver they because to they deliver control all the, all, all the, the entire but, federal but, government. But, but to who? That's, that's the question. Right. I mean, and I think that, uh, Mr. Sells, to his point, um, Alan Sells, the mm-hmm. writer of that, uh, letter is, um, you know, he, he actually writes, obviously, from the position of someone who's affluent and probably very well insured. Yeah. Um, but I think that the, the people he identifies as actually, um, you know, we would identify as suffering from the system are people who are poor who are going to go use emergency care and then drive yeah. up costs. Um, Maybe in their minds, and especially among, um, I mean, if you look at Trump's uh, support structure, right, uh, is the, the demographics of his support, it was lower income white people. Yeah. And in their minds, maybe they're thinking, well, what the hell? Um, then I wouldn't have to pay this, uh, you know, whatever, even their subsidies, sub- subsidized amount for health care, you know, $80 a month or what have you. Sure. To get insured care. Now, now I have to uh, pay nothing, and then when I go to the doctor, well, I can't pay it anyway, and um, you know why? So, so I guess there was maybe a certain se- sense of self-interest. Like I think we're naive when we think that low uh, low-income people are voting against their own best interests. In no. some ways, some of these people at least have rationalized. And if you're racist and you're white and you're low-income, you've come like now you can really rationalize it because. You really don't have to pay that bill, right? I mean, it's just, it's basically, you know, welfare state. It's just a different kind of welfare. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's welfare without running through the government, without any sort of it's whoever uses the system the best. Yeah, it's all it's well, it's all indirect costs, you know. Right, right. But yeah, I I think. The thing is, though, is that the more that comes out about, you know, the current plan, the, the ACA, you know, as it's, uh, it's not the ACA, it's the ACA. The ACA. The ACA. Oh, the, I didn't the, know that. The, the, the American Healthcare Act. What is this? The AHAKA? AHAKA. AHAKA. Like, yeah. AHA. I was just thinking of, like, that right. song from the 80s. That should be oh, the, 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 the take, take, take on, on me. me. <laughs> right, right. The AHAKA. Right. Um, I mean, the more the more it comes out about this plan, I mean, the ah, more the more, yeah. <laughs> the more people will sit back and they say, "Ah, ka. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, yeah." Or yeah, the more uh, Trump says, "Take on me," to yeah. to the uh, <laughs> uh, skeptics. Wow, I mean, you know, the, this really is got to be one of the worst uh, policy ideas I've ever I mean, seen in my life. It's so transparently. The reverse Robin Hood. I right. mean, it's a, right. I mean, it's literally you can compare the numbers, but what the average 
what the average working person will right. take home or, or, or pay for right. healthcare today and like how much less it will, that they will get in terms of, um, you know, reimbursement, uh, or towards their, towards their in policy. And meanwhile, it's kind of chaos for everybody else. Yeah. It's people are going to have to pay higher premiums yep. for the uncompensated care. Of course. Um, it's probably going to like cost frontline healthcare workers, first responders, their jobs. In but some I mean, cases, yeah. I mean, really what you're going to have to do is probably lay off more nurses and, uh, the, last I checked, I don't remember anybody, um, in a hospital. I, I last time I, uh, any patient in a hospital, nursing home, any caregiving setting, where they've said there's too damn many nurses. <laughs> True. Like, like I, I think I've heard the opposite that no, there's not enough of them. There's too many right. nurses aides. Yeah. There's too many people that can give me a bath and uh, you know when I'm 90 years old mm-hmm. in a nursing home. No, I, I don't remember this being the surplus of caregivers. I, right. I like it's as if there was that though. Yeah. So we, well, I mean, I do recall that um, when we were when, when we were talking about the ACA about the fact that like oh man you're gonna flood the system with with patients and there's mm-hmm. you're gonna have waiting lines because there won't be enough doctors and you know it's like well right do we think that you know these you know the hospitals the the clinics you know the providers do you think they're just not gonna hire people to provide for the demand because if the money's there right and if right, people exactly, are paying for exactly, these things exactly. insurance companies are reimbursing like of course they're gonna right. expand it's gonna you know right yeah it's just i mean the idea that people just won't seek care right when they need it yeah is I mean, that's what used to happen. That's the thing. Well, people wouldn't seek care. Well, they would. They, they will would, when they, it's they, late. They, they would wait. Late. Yeah, they'd wait until they had absolutely right. had to. Right, right. And where they really ran out of options, it became like a life or death situation. And having more people jam up clinic hours mm-hmm. at, uh, in a preventative care set- setting sure. has to be more preferable than having more people well, jam up emergency. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Hours. I mean, we, I mean, I think. Many of us have experienced that, you know, where you've gone into a hospital, right? You know, especially you know pre pre ACA, and mm-hmm. and you know because you may not be the most catastrophic case there, you're you're waiting a significant amount of time, you right? Know, maybe you you know maybe you broke your arm, or maybe you have stitches, or maybe you have whooping cough, or you know whatever the case is. You're just, you know if if you're not you know having a heart attack because you know the, a condition uh, popped up that uh, you weren't aware of. You're you're gonna be waiting. For so Scott, I I got bad news for you. I think that every every uh, minute that we've recorded is has got to be edited out. But uh, <laughs> it's a little too wonky for me. Oh um, boy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I don't know. If anyway, it's, it's not nearly as wonky as uh, five thirty eight yet. We're not, Ooh, we're not. We're not sitting here reading numbers. Below the belt. Yeah. Except that they do. They have an NCAA forecast, as you brought up earlier. So that's our next episode. Um. Well, we will. Be well, we'll do a Sweet 16 next time. We'll do a Sweet 16 podcast we'll sweet next 16. time. That's what we'll do. We'll yeah, I, I don't have the Badgers heading to the Sweet 16, um, <laughs> nor do I have Marquette. We could do a spring training forecast. Um, oh, come on. That's even more depressing. I mean, who, I mean well, although um, fan graphs, I think, give the Brewers at least, uh, they give them an over-under of 76 wins. All right. I'm I'm good with that. That's that's that's, that's pretty optimistic. That's the most optimistic one, but that's that's the <laughs> stat nerds one. 
the baseball experts eye test types are saying a little lower. Okay. They have um the, they have the Brewers near the bottom. Uh, but at the, the very bottom. Yeah. Well, yeah. Second or third from the bottom. Well, right? because we're, the standard. We were fighting it out with the Reds, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah the bottom of the whole league. Uh, uh, both oh, leagues. Of, that of all of baseball. Okay. Uh, but the fan graphs, you know, stat nerds are saying, well, there's some actual talent here and, mm-hmm. um, you're going to bring it, bring up talent and so on and so forth. And okay. you should expect them to do a little better. So I'll, I'll, I'll side with the fan graphs crowd. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably like the only viable solution for a small market team after all. Yeah, I, th- I think you're, I think you're probably onto something there. I mean, I'm not saying this is our, our big year, but on the other hand, I think that if you're going to do this kind of money ball, uh, you know, by through drafting, developing in the minors, I, I think you've got to have, um, you know, you've just got to hope for these guys to um, catch catch the rest of the league before they're ready for them, before they yeah. scatter them out fully. Oh, and let sure. their raw talent thrive for a minute. Well, what which you, often happens when the players what would you get say? called up. The Brewers are probably, what, a couple years out from being able to like, seriously compete? I, I have no idea. I know. I mean, that's, honestly, that's I the really great don't. unknown. I mean, What's that? That's, that's the great unknown. I mean, we, right. we, we're we're being you know promised, uh, not, well, maybe that's extreme, but I think we're being sold that you know the talent that's up and coming is going to be ready in a few years, and then they'll be really... Well, I, I I think that if everything goes right, that's what it is. Yeah. But um, I also think that there's no guarantees. Obviously, no, there's no guarantee. I think I, other than I think it's safe to say they're not going to win a hundred games this year. No, <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, I'll take that bet. You know, um, <laughs> I I I don't think they'll win ninety either. No. Uh, I bet you they won't win eighty five. But I will be there on opening day. But there you and go. I will be. Ready to celebrate the boys of summer coming home right. and, and uh, yeah. I mean, if Brewers hit 500 this year, that would be uh, we'd all be toasting a great season. Absolutely, and Absolutely. I doubt it, but that's the kind of thing that could happen. Yeah. It's it's not real likely, but it's the kind of thing that with a team with uh, upcoming talent that you know other teams don't really know all the players. Yeah. Well, the scouts haven't really gotten to them all. Surprises well, happen. Yeah, and and I mean, if you look at how well rated the farm system is, I think, and I think that's what the FanGraphs, um, which is really the the baseball nerds kind of site, mm-hmm. uh, the stat nerds kind of site. Yeah, is, what they're suggesting is that there's this talent level here that's going to get there, get to the majors. The majors won't be ready for them. They probably, and, and you know, and if if that were to happen, that would be considered a pretty big jump. There's mm-hmm. a good chance that if they won 76 games, even that they would, for a while, flirt with contention, scare people for a minute. Um, of course, the downside is that a lot of these players will have been in the majors, then uh, will have cycled through the uh, the NL, right, and then will be easily scouted out. Yep. Well, and then, yeah, yeah. Um, and call next you, trip through the league. You start calling these guys up too, and then they have fewer right. options, and yeah, right. That all so, plays into it. Um, I mean, so so some of the talent will have to really pan out for them to be a contender, right? Um, in the next year, or to even gain, let's say they won seventy six this year, yeah. Um, or let's just say they actually exceeded expectations, went five hundred, yeah. and then you know really kind of toyed with us, our emotions for a minute and contended for just a wild card. Just tease us. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, or the second wild card or whatever. You know, just for a minute. Right. Uh, 
the chances in uh, them in 2018 um, improving on that would probably be very low mm. because it probably would have been a lot of young talent that would have really flourished this year uh, that will be thoroughly scouted out the next year. And unless they've got a real stockpile of, of, of more talent coming up and or some really savvy uh, free agent signings or trades, what have you, I, I can't imagine them making the step up like at all. I, it would probably be a step back in the next year. Okay. So, so I guess it does put us at a 2019 schedule before they yeah, would be legitimately contending. So th- that's if everything was goes well. So what's more likely in 2017, the Brewers finishing 500 or the American Healthcare Act making its way to President Trump's desk? Where would you put your money? Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to have to go with the with the Aha Care the Act. Aka? The Aka, the, yeah, the, the Aha Tr- uh, Paul Ryan Care Act, uh, <laughs> making it to Trump's desk. Okay, all right. Yeah, I got to keep it. Um, I got to keep it real. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. I think that if you look at the scenarios that are more likely, that that I. I would lean in that direction too. Well, Although, let's say Brewers making 500. Yeah, I'd say Brewers have a 20% chance of making yeah. 500. Uh, no, they're going to get this bill to Trump's desk, I it's, think. I think they will. I think the it's interesting. Um, we've talked about it, but it's um, there's the... It could be changed. Well, uh, that's, and know. that's what's going to happen. Is It's going to have to happen. It could be worse, actually. Well, the, the, the thing is, is the center of gravity in in the House right now is pulling the bill to the right. Center of gravity in the in, in the Senate is pulling it to the left. How that, how they can reconcile that, I don't know. I, I suppose they'll have to find a way. And then the, basically they're going to have to whip it. To get it passed, they're going to have to... To whip it to the point that they to make whip their members good. realize, whip it, whip yeah, it. you can whip, exactly. it, whip it good, right? <laughs> okay, so they're 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 just going to have to make them the members realize that like if if this bill we fails, that um, this will okay, sink yes. us next year. And but the, the but the the thing is, it's, it's a double edged sword because the thing pa- passes and then the impacts start being felt. It's gonna right. it's gonna bite them in the ass too. So so the, I don't know. They I mean. They own this. I mean, they 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 decided to fight this fight, and 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 try to pull back. Uh, I think healthcare from the millions of Americans. Market, um, well, is that's really right. um, really dangerous thing politically. It's well, there's there's that, and then you know you touched on a little bit earlier about you know the the employer aspect about it. You know, and if if all of a sudden healthcare organizations, hospitals, clinics, uh, providers that have to start you know pulling back on. Uh, you know, clinicians that they've hired, you know, what what does that look like? Those aren't right. good headlines either. Right, because you're cutting, cutting Medicaid. Absolutely. Now, the, the truth is that the Medicaid provisions, they were smart about that because that would be the most dramatic. Yeah. Um, they have that implemented in 2020. So the the real which hurt doesn't which, hit until after the next presidential election. No, what their no it, it hits was. before. That's the, the, that's, right, that's, oh, that's, right before? Yeah, it, it actually ends. So it's at, at the end of 2019. Oh, and in 2019. Which yeah. I don't quite get. Maybe it's a little bit of a fuck you to, <laughs> to Trump. I don't know. I don't, I didn't quite understand the logic behind. No, I don't get that either. Um, that, that, that's how it's written. It ends at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020 is when. Ultimately, you have to. I remember this when they implemented the ACA that you had to pick dates when they go in and how yeah. advantageous or right. disadvantageous they are. It's, hmm. 
um, you know, always going to be, uh, you know, kind of a parlor game. Yeah. It's, it's obvious that this Congress doesn't want to have to handle, uh, blowback immediately before this oh, next election. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that makes sense that, that they would want everything to at least wait till the end of, uh, next year. Yeah. Well, pa- yeah, past the midterms at least. On the other hand, right. If nobody can buy an individual policy next, like, like that's, starting around Thanksgiving, that's how is that going to help them in the next election? I don't think it does. I, th- may, there may be some grand bargain that, uh, you know, maybe. the hell with the house. Yeah. May, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, okay, here's a crazy thought. Is, is Speaker Ryan looking for a Senate seat? No, I don't think so. Because, I mean, th- that would be the thing to do is to say, well, um, you know, um, you think can, he's, he's going to gun for a Baldwin seat? Uh, speaker that would be of the, the idea, right? No. Right. Well, except that if you think you're not going to win the house again, I think he thinks he's got it gerrymandered enough to that, that he can pull well, off. I mean, they've got a pretty good situation going on. I mean, that that there there's a risk. You know? I mean, that's where the Republican vulnerability is. Yeah. And if you have a lot of people who can't buy policies, that could definitely sink them nationally. I mean, the House is really a national election more so than the Senate is. Yeah. I would agree. And, and I think if you look at the, I mean, this is something for next week. You should bust out the stats. Yeah. But if we, you look at like the house, house seats performance, I think they track closer to, you know, a president's approval rating or mm-hmm. the opposite of a president's approval rating than, right. than do the Senate. So if Trump's got a low approval rating, um, Paul Ryan may be doing the math and saying, well, there's no way I keep the house anyway next year. Right. Um, now, ground with all the gerrymandering and most of the swing states, well, I, yeah, I, I, I would think he still's got a cushion. Yeah, they got a firewall. Um, but, uh, you know. How much that is? Yeah, firewall. Well, we had a blue wall once. We, but then that, uh, that's the problem. You know, a blue wall isn't much of a firewall, <laughs> if you ask me. It, it sounds like, uh. Not as much these days, it seems. No, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, blue is the hottest, hottest but, color of a flame, actually. I think but, that was the problem, is it was like the tip of the flame. But that's, the, the, the base of the flame. That's the trick, though, even with gerrymandered districts. And, and yeah, we can dive into the data a little deeper and maybe in another podcast. Yeah, we but, need to do that. But, uh, you can only protect, you know, a certain percentage. And, it, and when you have a wave election, you know, that you, you right. can't protect enough right. for that because right. there's just not there's not enough votes out there. You know what I mean? So right, and on our side, obviously Paul uh, Ron Kind, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, saying he's not running for governor, which I'd like to also delve into next week. Yeah, uh, would be uh, what we're going to do about the governor race. That is, so what uh, you know, that's if a big, we could get uh, rid of Scott Walker, which is probably <sighs> a pipe dream, but it's yeah. worth, worth thinking about. No, we got to. I mean, he's he's still, I believe, underwater approval rating. He is. Why? He is. But now, he, but now he's designing or, a budget that's going to increase funding for you know, right? It's a real issue, and, and you know, he's just, he's he's going to do the things necessary to right. uh, to buy the votes he needs. So, so if you over under, um, what do you think? Um, well, Paul, uh, Scott Walker's two party vote percentage next year, with that, all things equal. If if the election were against a generic Democrat. Oh, I don't know. Considering where we just were a few months ago in November, I mean, I I think he probably still squeaks it out. I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the generic ballot it, it still probably is 
is not favoring the Dems right now. We need a candidate to kind of change the... Uh, yeah. To, the polling to the says... Um, suggests otherwise, I think, yeah. right now. Uh, but, hey, you know, the polling suggests that Hillary Clinton would be president right now. So, right. <laughs> yeah. at least in Wisconsin. Take, she would take, carry Wisconsin. Yeah. So. Take nothing for granted. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say it would be tight, but um, I would definitely give the edge to Walker as well. Yeah. Um, but um, that could change. And I think, well, I think he's clearly vulnerable. I think oh, a good yeah, candidate absolutely. could beat him easily. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's, he's vulnerable, and I think he's, he's, he's not had the opposition that's uh, required to take right. him out. And, uh, and, and some of that is organization. Some of that is uh, the quality of the candidates. And, right. You know, and to so. bring it back to Ron Kind, um, I think that Kind, you know, announced he's not going to run for governor. Right. I doubt that was be- – I don't look at that as a sign of Walker's strength. I look at that more as the Dems in the House yeah. saying – uh, you need to keep your job. We need to keep that seat because it's gone so far to the right. That's yeah, that's part of it. I would agree. It, I, mean, I think Ron Kind, he's. I mean, he's he's pretty solid where he is. Um, right. I don't think he's too much at risk, and um, especially. But almost any generic Democrat would have a hell of a hard time holding that seat. Let's yeah. say Ron well, if Kind were, ran for. Yeah, if he were to run and give it up, then right. yeah, I think. Um, and he might be able to beat Walker. Who knows? Maybe. He could scare Walker. It's not out a of given, obviously. I think he's. I, I think he would rather just. I think he he likes his job. He likes where right. He's I at. think that's it. He and likes being in the if they, house. If they do take the house next year, he's probably in a good position to you know. I also chair, think that chair a committee or something in so. his own mind, he's probably not that. Uh, not just his own mind, but uh, a lot of political uh, pollsters' minds. Wouldn't be a great candidate for governor because uh, he was elected to the House in 1996, which means he's in his 21st year in the House, mm-hmm. his 11th term, which means he's got a hell of a long voting record. And True. that makes for a very bad candidate for governor. Well, um, I mean, you know having, a, you know, having a guy with a voting record that voted for yeah. this tax increase, I, I mean, they can turn anything into the largest tax increase in history. You can do that, but I mean, there's another uh, career politician that ran for governor, and his name is Scott Walker. So. Uh, Walker <laughs> didn't have that guy long record. He was in the, state, in the house, though. He, he was in the state legislature, state assembly for how and many years? Been out of county exec, and I mean, he'd been county executive. That was a fairly easy position. Oh yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, he was there for more. I don't know if he was there for longer than he was in the legislature, but he was there for a very long time. Yeah, he was there for before he ran for gov. So yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah, I, we, I think we can throw out the rule book of you and, know. And he like, also came up. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't think so. I, I think I think uh, 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 those tactics are still gonna, those tactics always... are still going to be used. But I'm just saying, like, you know that that's not. Just because somebody has experience, I don't think we should write them yeah, off. Because we, if anything, we, the people that have run against Walker, you know, some of them it, haven't a had congressman, the most. A congressman the has a record. A congressman has a record. Yeah. When they run for an executive position, they have to run against their own record. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think that's that's problematic. It is. It is because you have to take some tough votes, and you have to vote for appropriations bills that may have things in them that I don't, you know are not yeah, ideal, then you and you get re- and you get nailed on those things. You have to be really articulate and really good at talking about that. I'm True. not sure Ron Kind. Maybe Ron Kind is. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, my guess is that he thought it was 
pro- probably uh, that I don't think I don't look at Walker's tough to beat, but I guess he tough well, enough. He, to he beat. shouldn't be, but he's 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 got enough of a network and he's obviously a lot enough. of money, and you know, and the and the opposition, you know, to date right. hasn't hasn't right. been able to match that. So he's formidable, and yes. um, and uh, Kine would have to contend with that. I think I really do think being a twenty plus year congressman. I mean, the career politician, blah, blah, blah. I, I think too many, too many, like, obvious liabilities. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, it's moot anyway, because he's not going to run. And so so we're going to have to look at well, I'm just trying to, like, get, look, get into his head on why he said no. Sure. And I think, I think there's multiple reasons, but I think the, the fact that, you know, that Dennis might take the House next year. And I think that's, 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 that's the other thing. The chance to be in the majority, um, knowing full well that him not running would be one, one seat get one one more seat that the Democrats would have to find elsewhere, yeah. potentially, because that seat really has gone far to the right. Yeah. Um, and there's a good chance that that it, that it won't ever be Democratic after Kine leaves it. Frankly, I mean, I'll just be well, honest. Well, given with the certain given, given the current politic, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, some of these uh, areas of the. Um, I mean, we're, t- we're talking, you know, for people that aren't familiar, that with the, the right area around the Fox River. Um, no, this is the, Fox, those, the, Mich- uh, the Mississippi, Mississippi River right. uh, Valley on the on the western side of Wisconsin, all the way up to Eau Claire, all the way yeah, all the way north, right. northwest to Eau Claire, and so the um, the the dynamics of some of these some of these rural areas in that district have definitely flipped well, a little hard bit. Right? Yeah, I mean you've got you've got La Crosse and Eau Claire, which are your urban areas, if you will, in that area, but they're so small, and that's yeah. the thing people forget about is that. These are towns of, you know, 50, 60,000 people. Maybe there's 100,000 people in the county. I mean, it's tiny. The mm-hmm. county, Milwaukee County is, is 950,000 people by comparison. Um, right. And every county near Milwaukee County is a, a, at least 100,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, every county, I think the border of Milwaukee County is over 100,000. If you, and, and almost all, all the uh, ones, many, many of them, 200,000 or more in the southeastern corner of the state. Yeah. That the point of getting so geeky on this is to point out that Paul Ryan's in uh, the more urban kind of quarter of the state. Yeah, I bet you Paul Ryan's district, um, you know, all things equal, would be faster to uh, vote for a Democrat if 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 Ryan weren't running than Kinds would be to vote. Um, you know. Uh, to vote for a Democrat of kind, the Democrats drop out. I, I, I really do think so. On a generic ballot, I think that Paul Ryan's would be less safe for the Republicans than uh, you know than Kind's district is safe for the Democrats. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. So I, I, I think we just have to face that's reality. I mean, yeah. I think the next Democratic seat after that is probably the Glenn Grothman seat. Crazy as it sounds, right? So yeah, even Simpson runner, but I think those ones out state are just aren't going to come back anytime soon. No, no, not given the the current dynamic. Right. So. Well, I, we've gone way over our time. Um, I think that Scott's going to have plenty to edit out that I said, um, <laughs> and I, I don't regret that for a minute because no. I doubt I sound good. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you all. Yeah. And we'll be back for more next week on the Blue Cheese Podcast. Yeah, so. let's get let's get that data going. Um, we'll see. All right. Yeah. All right. Good night. Forward. Forward.